Hey pals, welcome back to another glorious week here uh, at Cold Stuff and Chill. I hope you're all doing well. Um, I started my day a little rough today. <laughs> the first thing, so Ashley and I are pretty much in constant communication like throughout the day every day. And the first thing I did this morning on my drive to work was I sent her a video that I'm like, I am pretty sure today is the day that I'm going to have a mental breakdown and I'm either going to end up in prison because I've stabbed someone or at the mental hospital. And it didn't happen. Neither of those two things happened. So go us. And I saw it while I was at the gym this morning and I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm having an okay morning. So can't relate, but usually I do. Yeah, but okay, so... There's a TikTok astrologer, Marin. I'm sure you're familiar with her. She's the one that's like yeah. always wearing red. But um, she said that Libra signs, any Libra sign, we're going to have cute shit happening starting in mid-April. And it's almost mid-April. So hopefully that means cute shit will be happening in my life soon. Nobody ever talks about Geminis because everybody hates Geminis. But I think... I think good stuff's going to start happening for Geminis. I also have a ton of Capricorn placements, and they say, like, shit's going to be rough for a little bit still for Capricorns, but... Well, fingers crossed that that's not the case. All I know is that hopefully I have cute shit summer that's coming up. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping for. Speaking of cute shit, can we have a little influencer moment for a moment? Yes. To actually... Well, really, I could do three. Okay. Do them all. Cute influencer. All right. Cute influencer moment one. If you haven't gotten a deer head yet, you should probably get a deer head. Because this is my new best friend. His name's Ferdy. Well, like, my second best friend. Um, I got him at the Oddities convention. He he holds my scarves right now. I'm going to hang him up when I um, think to get my screwdriver out or something. I don't know. Drill. However... However, I want to hang him up, but he's very soft, very nice. He was $125 at the Oddities Convention. That's actually a great price on a deer mount like that. Yeah, and then here's my small collection of green silk scarves, too, that are hanging <laughs> from his antlers. Um, so that's that's number one. So if you haven't gotten any taxidermy, um, you should probably do it because it just... I see his little face every morning, and it brings me joy. Um not as much with Bobby Hill the salamander I got, but like Bobby Hill the salamander is a good, um, a good shelf piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's Bobby Hill. We were gonna name him Hank Hill, but I was like, he's not majestic enough. Mm-hmm. I need to get a larger, more majestic, um, wet specimen that can yeah. be Hank Hill. I definitely okay, influencer tried to think up just like the most absurd names that I could think of for the salamander, <laughs> and I'm glad that one of my suggestions almost stuck. So I suggested Hank Hill, and then of looking at him, he does definitely give more of a Bobby vibe. Yeah. He's also, like, kind of kind of round, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. Bobby soft. Yeah, plumpy. So. And now I just have to, like, fight the intrusive thoughts to, like, eat it, because, you know, it's like the things, the intrusive thoughts when you're like, oh, I could just, like, drive off this cliff. I mean, the same almost, thing with the salamander. I'm like, <laughs> he almost looks like a little pickle huh? floating in there. Yeah. Just, and it looks like pickle juice because yeah. it's like a green, green tinted formalin. So he's just sitting in some brine, anyway, to be waiting to be snacked upon. Oh, I should get a big jar of pickles and put it like on my shelf next to him. 
Just to confuse people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. We'll get off that topic. Okay. Influencer moments. Two things. One, I got this purse. Love. It it looks like a Birkin. It's not a Birkin. Um, I think I can get some kind of affiliate code for it, so we'll drop the code if you guys want one of these. It was like, I think I spent like 100, I think it's like 170 on it, but it's real leather. It's pretty sturdy. Like, I fill it with crap. It's perfect size. It's from Corday, New York, so we'll drop that code if you want to uh, yeah, be a Birkin put it in. Bitch. I don't... On a budget. Yes. But it's a good work bag, and it's, like, really well put together, and it looks pretty much just like it, so. Um, new favorite bag. We'll be getting more. Um, don't listen to the reviews that say it takes a long time, because it really only took, like, a week, I would say. Probably, It didn't take that long yeah. to get here. I was gonna say, I feel like we're always texting each other back and forth saying, I just bought this thing. I can't wait for it to get here, so I lose <laughs> track of what the things are. <laughs> But I was like, oh, it's because a lot of the reviews said, oh, it takes over a month to get here or it takes two weeks to get here. It t- it was definitely under two weeks, but I think it was closer to like a week. But mm-hmm. regardless, the people that are freaking out are probably used to Amazon shipping, shipping that takes two days. And then I did notice that here, a lot so. of those reviews were written like six or seven months ago, which would have been a time period in which shipping would have been delayed a little bit because of COVID. So like, guys... Mm-hmm. Realistic expectations. Yeah. yeah. Realistic but expectations. It smells nice. It smells so nice. So, so be cute. we'll drop a code for this. I don't know if you get, like, if you get any percentage off for using, like, an affiliate code or whatever. It was, So, like you don't have 20%. to use my code, but... Okay. Yeah, because I was looking so, at yeah. purchasing one for myself, and Ashley's like, use my code. I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Um, I am putting myself on a bit of a spending freeze, so I have not pulled the trigger on that yet. You just have to wait until you save more money. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our first uh, influencer moment. They didn't send it to me or anything. It's not like a truly sponsored thing. Mm -hmm. It's like I bought it with my own money, and then I really liked it. So we want you to like it, too. Yeah, so here's Um, a Secondly, (laughs) secondly, second thing that I bought with my own money, again, uh, not really sponsored, but I got the Scentbird thing um, because I was like, I'm looking for a perfume that, like, I can get fairly regularly, um, that's not just Love Spell by Victoria's Secret, and so I got this, and it smells so good. Actually, which one does it smell like? Here's Bobby Hill again. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, it smells like this, and then pull Bobby Hill off the shelf. <laughs> it smells like dead salamander. Yes, it's, it smells like a dead salamander in formalin. Um, which one was it? Not that one. I think it was a small one. Yeah, so it kind of smells like the oh shoot, <laughs> the sm- the black baccarat um, cabaret smell, mm. but like lighter, well, just a little bit lighter. But also, I got a tiny one of this, so I'm happy to have another one of these. Hell um, yeah! But it's like smells so good, and I've gotten a few. Not all of them have been bangers, but all of them have smelled like good enough that mm-hmm. I would wear it. And they just send you, like, this cute little thing. So we'll put a code for that, too. Again, that's my own money. You can just get... Actually, I think that one's a link. But we'll put a link below. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. 
I think it's a pretty good deal because perfume is expensive and it expires quickly. And, like, you don't want to wear the same scent every day. So that's why mm -hmm. I like it. But it also comes with this cute little thing. And it makes me just feel like... Powerful. Yeah. Also great for so just I, throwing in your new fancy Birkin. Yeah. Also, the one that I got that I really liked that smells like the the cabaret one is Confessions of a Rebel, Bitch Please. Which, great name. But it smells so good. I've just been, like, at work, so, like... Sniffing myself. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyways, I suggest it 10 out of 10. That's our little influencer moment. Again, not really spawns, just anyone can do codes through it, so. Yeah. Not sponsored. wish I was. I wonder if they sponsor it, though, or if people just use the code. Because it's, like... That's a good point. With the code for... With Scentbird, it's, like... If someone buys it using your code, then they get a free perfume and you get a free perfume, so. Mm. Well, then. I did not know that. Well, then, go use but, Ashley's code so she can get some free perfume. Which I'll probably send to Devin because I that's what I do. I like to send my friends prezzies. I love prezzies. <laughs> I actually have some prezzies that I need to mail you, so. Same. Although you already know what they are. It's not, like, a surprise. I just have been lazy about mailing. All right. Is there anything else that we had that was... You know what? I think that's all the housekeeping we had. Um, and when I say housekeeping, I use that term very loosely because you didn't need any of that information, but you got it. No. But you love us. Um, oh. Do you want to tell us a story? I'm excited for this one. Ashley's story time. What are you talking Okay, so my story, um, you know, Easter is coming up soon, and I have plans. I've got big plans. I plan on fully traumatizing my entire family with a haunted lamb cake. You've probably seen them. They're, like, really disturbing-looking, traditional 50s white people culture thing. So when you say that white people don't have culture, we got lamb cakes for Easter. Mm -hmm. uh, but for real, it's always kind of bothered me that Easter, the very Christian holiday of Jesus' resurrection, um, is very clearly a ripoff of a pagan fertility holiday, Ostara. Uh, so there's different variations of the Ostara story, but my favorite version is the following. And it basically goes that the Anglo-Saxon goddess Esther, or Oster, came across a frozen bird, and she's like, oh no, poor birdie, and she turned it into a hare, because she's like, I'm gonna save you from freezing to death. Hares can survive the cold. And so this bird hare wear hair, I don't know, it retained its ability to lay eggs. So once a year to remember when Esther, Esther brought it back from the dead, it lays these brightly colored eggs and that's Easter. And it's like a fertility celebration because hares are a fertility thing and eggs are a fertility thing. Yeah, there you go. I feel like I need to get in the spirit. Where you should ears. probably just wear that the whole time, honestly. I, I am willing to keep them on. They're not totally in frame, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> I wish I had prepared. Oh, I should Darn never it. Mind. I should have put the deer, hung it, actually hung it up. Anyway. Oh, that's okay. So scholars, they argue over the origins of the story. They kind of say like, oh, it's just a modern thing, like as modern as the f 1950s or 60s. But it's actually uh, the earliest written mention of Ostara was around 1835 in a German folklore and mythology book. So there is evidence to it being at least 200 years old. 
Now, you may be asking, what does this fun little background information have to do with today's story? And all I'm going to say right now is that it also has to do with hares, or rather rabbits, and uh, one species giving birth to a completely different species. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, to start, Mary Toft, she was baptized Mary Denyer by her parents John and Jane of Godolming, Godolming, Surrey, on February 21st, 1703, in which, if you're unfamiliar, back in those days, they would wait to baptize a baby until they were sure it was going to live, because they're like, we're not going to risk that wasting some nice, crisp, fresh, gonna, holy water yeah. on a baby Waste that's going to die tomorrow. Waste our Jesus on <laughs> this doomed toddler. Doomed baby, yeah. Doomed baby. Like, it was the same thing with Shakespeare. They waited to baptize him, so they don't really know when his birthday is. I don't know. That was the only thing that I remember them talking about in school. Fun but, fact of the day. <laughs> fun fact. We're going to have a lot of fun facts, actually. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, not much is recorded about Mary's early life, but it is reported that she was illiterate, and she was, like, working in the field. She was also, like, kind of acted as a servant. And... In 1720, at the age of 17, she married Joshua Toft, who was a cloth maker. They had three children together, Mary, Anne, and James. And in 1726, she became pregnant again. And as was actually the custom of the time, she was out toiling in the fields. It's a common misconception that women during the 18th century were bedbound during pregnancy, but they actually worked pretty much up until they gave birth, if not giving birth, like, out there in the field. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, as the story goes, Mary, when she was working, she became obsessed with rabbits. She really just identified with them. She was the original rabbitkin. She no, she really, I, maybe, actually, she might have been one of the original furries. I feel like furries go back a lot further than we think. Like, look at the Egyptians. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. So, anyway, she really identified with the rabbits. Like, they, they boinked, they had the babies, they had to work hard to keep the babies alive. So, she just, she really identified with that sort of cycle of rabbit life, according to her story. <laughs> so, everything was going well with her peasant lifestyle, you know, if you leave out the weird obsession with rabbits. But Mary started to notice that something was different about this pregnancy, she complained that she had painful complications early on, and she seemingly started to suffer a miscarriage in August of the same year. She started passing large blood clots and bits of flesh, including one piece she claimed was as big as her arm, up until she went into labor on September 27th. So the next-door neighbor, they came over to help Mary deliver her apparent miscarriage, and as Mary was pushing, the neighbor watched in horror as not a baby, but random animal parts were emerging from Mary's oh undercarriage. My God. The neighbor, who obviously was like, what the fuck, they collected the animal parts, and instead of what most people at the time would have done, uh, turning her into the church and burning her as a witch, uh, they actually took it to her mother-in-law, Anne, because they're like, I understand that I don't have all the knowledge. This very well could just be a miscarriage. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to be level-headed about this. So they took it to her mother-in-law, Anne, who happened to also be a midwife, and another level-headed, smart person uh, who was looking at the very real potential of having, like, some kind of de demon mother on her hands. Oh, no. As so, was it, They like, understood at the time. It was just, like, 
parts. It wasn't like a full. Yeah. Just like bits, like legs and claws and guts. So, like, she's like, we might have some kind of a, you know, demon, demon breeder on our hands. But you know what? I'm going to be this, I'm going to be science. I'm a midwife. I'm a lady of science. So she took it to her friend, John Howard, who is a man midwife. uh, And he had over 30 years of experience. And she's like, what? Help me, please. So John was like, at first, this is insane. I will not even entertain the notion of this. This this is not real. But eventually, curiosity got the best of him, and he went to examine Mary, who showed more animal parts that she had since delivered. Upon his initial examination, he found nothing out of the ordinary, but over the next few days, John helped Mary deliver three legs of tabby cats, one leg of a rabbit, cat guts, part of an eel backbone, along with other unidentified rabbit parts. You said this was over Mary? the course of how many days? Uh, like, two or three. She just, like, continues to be... Popping out animal parts. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So, Mary claimed that, and this was a common belief at the time, that she thinks that she came across this rabbit that startled her, and this was causing her to give birth to these rabbit parts, because it was a very common thought of the time and theory of the time that, like, if a woman saw an animal or, like, became obsessed with an animal animal or interacted too much with an animal, that her baby would have elements of that animal. So, like, Sarah Jessica's mom looked at a horse too much or something. Like, that's what they thought. They thought I wonder that you would take if on... this was their way of, like, discouraging people from fucking goats. I think there's subtle hints of that, but it was literally just, like, if a woman dreamed of an animal too much that she was going to give birth to, like, a scorpion or something. I, the, I genuinely am shock and awe over the fact that the human race <laughs> is not extinct, has gotten as far <laughs> as it did. Like, ha, mm, okay. This was a cutting-edge scientific theory of the time, too. Because later people would use this to use this as evidence for their theory that this would cause it. it also, they also said that it caused miscarriages. Like if a woman was startled by a rabbit, it would kill her baby. So they're just trying to put a name to something that they couldn't explain. Mm-hmm. And uh, try again. Try again, John. So John, John Howard, he decided to move Mary to Guildford, England, so he could be closer to his base of operations And he offered to deliver rabbits and other animal parts in the presence of anyone who doubted Mary's story. The whole situation immediately gained traction, and on November 4th, Henry Davenant, a member of the court of King George I, went to scope out the situation. He became a bunny lever when he examined the samples that John Howard had collected, which John Howard took every single thing that Mary had delivered, and he pickled it. Mm -hmm. He put it in a jar. He Just like Bobby Hill. Just like Bobby Hill up on a shelf. Just like little Bobby Hill. Just like little Bobby Hill. So he's just got like jars and jars of this stuff. It's weird. Um, but that was science. That was science at the time. Yeah. yeah so he, Davenant Henry, he was like, he was examining these bits of animals and he was like, you know what? She gave birth to this. They corresponded a little bit about the unfolding situation. They sent letters back and forth talking about how Mary was now delivering whole rabbits, um, not just parts anymore. Oh, I really, 
don't know if I want to know how how we we get to this point, but continue, please. <laughs> like I do, but so, I don't. <laughs> oh, you're gonna find out though. Uh. So. Henry passed the news of the Immaculate Rabbit conception to a surgeon of the royal household, Nathaniel St. Andrew, or, sorry, Nathaniel St. Andre. Nate, Nady Boy, he summarized Henry and John's finding in a pamphlet called A Short Narrative of an Extraordinary Delivery of Rabbits, which was published in 1727. And he had shown drafts of it to the British royal family, especially King George I, who, fun fact, was grandfather to King George III of Hamilton fame. Oh, you'll be back. <laughs> I was doing, I was singing that as I was writing these notes. I was like, you'll be <laughs> back. Then you'll see. Okay, so anyway, yeah. Also, like, I mean, Revolutionary War or whatever, but mostly Hamilton. Yeah. So, a f- <laughs> a few weeks after Henry Davenant's visit, King George sent Nate and Samuel Molyneux who is secretary to the Prince of Wales to investigate the situation further. So Samuel Molyneux, keep that in mind for later. Just we'll put a little bookmark on that. Within hours of their arrival to where Mary was staying on November 15th, Mary had delivered part of a rabbit's torso for them to witness. They witnessed her deliver it. I don't know. So Nate, he examined the rabbit and he put, he cut out a piece of the lung of the torso and he was like, I want to see if this rabbit breathed air, which I don't know what that proves, but it's a torso. That's well, kind of weird. If she was giving birth, <laughs> then it wouldn't have it been wouldn't. breathing air. Just amniotic fluid. Right. But he said that that, so he, he cut, he cut the lung up, he put it in water to see if it would float, to see if it would breathe mm-hmm. there. It did. And he was like, this proves that she gave birth to it. Doesn't make any Wait, sense. Wait, that's like the complete opposite of what I was thinking he was trying to prove here. Like, I thought he was Clearly, trying to prove that she was, like, shoving these rabbits up her rebosi. Right. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> but, no. Uh, he, somehow that proved that she was giving birth to them. Nate also examined Mary and concluded that the rabbits had been bred and grown in her fallopian tubes. Remember that this is the 18th century. Mm. They can't just do an ultrasound. They were just pissing in the wind, guessing yeah. at this. So, Nady Boy, he brought the findings of his examinations back to the court, which prompted King George to send another surgeon, Syriacus Allers, to examine Mary. You'll have to see the spelling on this. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> um... So he arrived in November 20th, and he knows that Toft was, Mary Toft, she was very clearly not pregnant. He was a little more suspicious than the rest of these guys, and he reported the following, that when Mary was walking around the room, apparently in labor, she had her knees and her thighs pressed together as if to fall something, or to prevent something from falling out of her vagina before Mm. the delivery, that Mary had appeared to be in considerable pain when Syriacus had attempted to help her deliver the rabbits, although he admitted that he wasn't a man midwife. So he didn't really know if this was, like, a legitimate pain or if it was just an act to prevent him from examining her closer. That he knows that John Howard seemed to be in on the bit as he wouldn't allow Syriacus to help, although that could, again, be to be due to the aforementioned uh, manhandling mm-hmm. of Mary that may or may not have caused her pain. And 
when he had examined the rabbit bits closer, it seemed as if they had been cut with a man-made instrument, and later on he kind of dissected them and found rabbit pellets that actually contained grain and straw. So, you know, there's not grain and straw in her rabbit So Syriacus left with some of the rabbit bit specimens, and he put on this good show. He's like, yeah, you know what? I believe you guys. This is this is a miracle of modern science. Crazy. That I, totally real. I believe it. He didn't, but he just had to put on this act so that he could get access to the specimens. I feel like this is just a testament to, like, how poor and poorly researched women's health, especially, was at this point, and arguably, yeah, still. Still is. Well, I mean, at least they knew what fallopian tubes were, but yeah, they they said this woman was giving birth to rabbits, so... Syriacus, he dissected these bits. This is actually when he found the rabbit pellets and when he had more time to dissect them and look at them. And he filed a report, sent the report to the king, along with several several persons of note and distinction. John was immediately like, nah, return my rabbit bits now. I want them back. Nobody else gets to look at them. And he was just trying to contain the situation. Uh, Nathaniel St. Andre, he also became concerned as the king said, Nate, get your ass in here now. You need to go re-examine this woman. You need to figure out what's going on here. The first time might have been a fluke, but you need to figure out what's going on. So, Mary had recently been reported to have given birth to two more whole rabbits and was seemingly passing portions of placenta when Nate arrived, but she was also starting to become quite ill and had suffered a constant pain on the right side of her abdomen. So, this Nate is and John, like they make old timey <laughs> episode of House. It literally, yeah, it is. I bet there's probably an episode that of House that's based on this, because it's like hysterical. Like, spoiler alert: she's not really giving birth to rabbits, but <laughs> it's like a hysterical pregnancy. She's fooling these men enough to think that she is pregnant with rabbits. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Um, Nate and John, they make a move against Syracuse. They're collecting affidavits from witnesses to the spontaneous births to have, a, a, I guess, a case against him. I don't know about if they had any defamation or slander lawsuits back then. I'm sure it's just to take to the king. Mm-hmm. But these affidavits only worked for a little while. The king had already had some issues. He was seen as a cold foreign idiot as he was from Germany and people in England didn't really like him that much. And so he didn't want to be made a fool of, so he sent Sir Richard Manningham, an obstetrician, and he was a really good obstetrician to examine Mary. Sir Dick, he found that Mary's right side of her abdomen was slightly enlarged, so she was having some swelling there, and that she there appeared to be something moving around in her abdomen that might be rabbits, and that she delivered what appeared to be a hog's bladder. But the fact that the hog's bladder smelled of urine, coupled with the fact that John and Nate were like, that's not a hog's bladder, what are you talking about? It made Sir Dick very suspicious that there was some kind of hoax going on, but he agreed that he needed more information, he wasn't going to say anything publicly, he didn't want to ruin their reputations until some further examinations took place. So his findings were basically reported as inconclusive. He's like, I don't know what's going on there. I'm just going to stay out of this shit. Same. And... 
In the absence of any real criticism, Mary, she became a celebrity with her story being published in early newspapers across England. Like, this is in a day when they didn't really have the resources to be publishing newspapers all over the place, but her story was getting published in them. She was examined by a number of physicians and surgeons who were all curious about what was going on, and this was all under the very strict control and observation of Nate and John. And all of those doctors and surgeons agreed that she was just spontaneously giving birth to rabbits and animal parts. And they they said that it, pro- again, proved that their theory that women, if they're startled by animals while pregnant, will have a miscarriage and just start giving birth to animals yeah. or will give birth to a baby that looks like a rat or something. Fucking naturally. <laughs> just, that's, as God intended. Yeah. So, on... <laughs> So this is all over the span of, like, a month. Like, I mean, she had the original miscarriage in August. In September, or in September is when she started passing these animal parts. And then, you know, end of September into November, she's being moved in closer to London. And we're now at December 4th. So this is a very short time span. Like, I don't know about you, but when I think about news traveling fast throughout more ancient times or, you know... The, at least the 18, 18th century, mm-hmm. that I would think that it would take much longer for this news to be found out. But no, it was just over the span of, like, two months. So, we're on to December 4th, when uh, the second Baron Onslow, Thomas Onslow, he decided to put on his little detective hat and do a little digging. He's like, this does not seem right. This is illogical. So, what he found out was that for the past month, Mary's husband had been buying young rabbits all over London, and that they had caught a porter at the bathhouse that they had been staying at. Um, they had apprehended him, and he had confessed to smuggling rabbits into Mary's room, which Mary and her sister-in-law, Margaret, claimed were just for her to eat. Mm-hmm. So Sir Dick Manningham came back, and he was like, you know what, If we're going to find out one way or another. If we got to cut you open, we're going to do it. And so, with that threat of a very painful surgery and a time when surgeries, you didn't really come back from them, she she cracked immediately. She said, you know what, this, this is a hoax, you're right. <laughs> so, Mary admitted that during her miscarriage that she might have girl-bossed a little too close to the sun trying to get a permanent <laughs> pass out of working in the fields. Uh, she just didn't want to have to work out in the fields anymore. She didn't want to have to be a servant. Yeah. She was tired. She's tired of that shit, Grandpa. Can't blame her She for that. did... Yeah, it's hard. It's hard work. She did actually, unfortunately, suffer a miscarriage, and the temporary dilation of her cervix from that had allowed her and an accomplice to insert cat and rabbit parts into her uterus the first time. So she actually did, like, kind of give birth to those the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She claimed mm-hmm. <laughs> that just in there with dirty fingers shoving that into your uterus. Imagine. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm stressed out, man. <laughs> I told you you would hate it. I do. <laughs> oh, so I do. So she claims, she claims her herself and this unnamed accomplice, who she never named, invented the story when they saw a rabbit in the field she had been working in. She might have been startled by it. She might have just saw it. But regardless, they saw a rabbit, and they came up with this story. For all of the other rabbit and animal part births, she had merely inserted the animals into her vagina and pushed them out, which is why... Syracuse had reported her walking with her legs glued together. So, in total, she had birthed 17 whole rabbits. Yep. 
imagine being <laughs> okay honestly this is kind of a mood like imagine being so sick of your fucking job that you're like i would rather shove 17 whole rabbits up my pussy <laughs> than work, work another in day field. in this place i mean mood that's that's a whole i can't I, like i this is a terrible story and it's disgusting and i hate it but i can't really blame the girl you gotta do what you <laughs> well, gotta do I mean, so she blamed other people for this whole thing. She said everybody else made her do it. But she said that specifically there was a traveler woman who she'd come across that said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how to put rabbits in your pussy and you're going to be able, you know, you're never going to have to work a day in your life again. So that I might be inclined to believe. (laughs) Oh, God. (sighs) But, (laughs) yeah, that's great. Um. But any the others that she uh, accused of forcing her to do this were her mother and sister-in-law, John Howard, her husband, again, the random traveler lady. Um, but ultimately, she was accused of being an abominable cheat and imposter and pretending to be delivered of several monstrous births. And she was incarcerated for a few months at Tothillfields Bridewell, which is a prison in Westminster. Westminster. But she was actually released in April of 1727, as they couldn't really figure out a real punishable crime to charge her with. And there's no, you know, there's no statutes. There's no Mm -mm. standard of how to punish somebody for giving birth to rabbits. John Howard... I've never seen this shit before. (laughs) Like, this is just really confusing. We're just going to put you in the prison until we can find out what to do with you. So John Howard... Is a little bit of a shock that they just put her in jail and didn't, like, execute her for witchcraft. Yeah. Well, and I mean, witchcraft burnings were still going on in Scotland in 1727. Like, it was was tapering off, but they were still Mm -hmm. burning people at the stake in Scotland. So, like, not far off. No. But luckily they took the scientific approach and they're just like, we need to figure out what's going on. So, John Howard... <laughs> she got the robussy. <laughs> that that'll come actually into play later. So the man midwife John Howard, he was fined eight hundred pounds, or in today's money, it would have been one hundred and twenty one thousand pounds, or one hundred fifty eight thousand dollars. So he was fined quite a bit, Damn. but he was allowed. To, he was allowed to practice, or he was allowed to continue to practice as a man midwife until his death in seventeen fifty five. So. Following this hoax, the medical professionals' gullibility became a running joke, and they were publicly mocked. Everyone. Pretty much across the nation. How could this illiterate peasant woman fool these supposedly intelligent learned men? Which, as we know, you know, learned men doesn't mean shit. It just means Mm -mm. that you have more resources. Many books, articles broadsheets like big posters and cartoons were made mocking the doctors and they involved the use of some vulgar sexual innuendos with the rabbits and you know oh, yeah. it became a bit it was a it was an og meme mary's magic robussy <laughs> and idiot men doctors and mm-hmm. man midwives that is the thing is there's so many of these like idiot man midwives no no Several medical professionals not even related to the case who had never even seen or really even heard of her felt obligated to submit papers on how they knew it was a hoax all along. 
because the damage to the medical and scientific community was so great that they were worried that, like, any advancements that they had been working on would not be taken seriously. No. Um, and speaking of the people involved, the timing of Mary's confession came at a really bad time for Nathaniel St. Andre, who only four days prior had publicly published and staked his whole reputation on the short narrative of an, of an extraordinary delivery of rabbits. And he had to quickly recant his account and be like, that didn't happen. I don't believe that. Not true, buddy. Because, I mean, you have to imagine how long it took to print this stuff back yeah. in that day. So he was, like, out there handing it out, like, four days earlier. Um, and it did not work. And as a result, he was stripped of most of his royal duties within the court. But he was allowed to remain as an anatomist for a short time. A few years later, he was accused and later acquitted of murdering his wife's first husband, your boy from before, Samuel Molyneux, the guy who had gone with him mm-hmm. on the first examination of Mary. And uh, this was after Nate had unsuccessfully treated Samuel for a fit that Samuel had had, which Samuel did not make it. And then Nate married his wife, Elizabeth, like very shortly after this. So people were like, dude, you poisoned him. So, but he was acquitted. They decided that he just had epilepsy or something. They didn't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, literally a couple years before, they thought that rabbits were coming out of a rabussi, so. (laughs) They're like, we'll give you this one, buddy. Right. So, Nate and and Elizabeth, formerly Molyneux's social careers, floundered after this fiasco, and they just retired quietly to the countryside after Elizabeth died. Nate, he became destitute. He didn't get any of that money. He ended up in an almshouse. But fun fact, another fun fact, Love he never it. ate rabbit again. You know, never. I can't say that I would either. I mean, if I witnessed it coming out of a woman's rebussy, I probably wouldn't, but... No. Mm-mm. Absolutely now not. Now for... That sounds like a traumatizing... He had PTSD, man, from the rabbits. Mm-hmm. So, back to our main character, Mary. Mary, after she got released from prison for, like, the three or four months that she was in there, she went on to give birth to another daughter after her release named Elizabeth. And as one particularly sassy clergyman noted in the church records, that her this was her first child after the rabbit breeding. After this, she kind of faded into relative obscurity. Uh, the main character moment was sufficiently over, the Toff family didn't profit from this affair in any way, shape, or form, and Mary was only recognized once in the records for her brief imprisonment in 1740 after receiving stolen goods, which is like, how could you know if you received stolen goods? Yeah. So, again, she was briefly in prison. She got out pretty much right away. Uh, Mary passed away in 1763, and her obituary was in all of the London newspapers alongside those of aristocrats. Back to the sassy clergyman, he got in one last read, and he recorded her death in his parish records as Mary Toft, widow, the impostress rabbit. So <laughs> he's like, this is a bit. I'm going to commit to the bit. Many people think that Mary was the least guilty person in the situation, and that her claims of everyone forcing her to continue with the bit was very little her choice or she had very little choice in the matter it what she wasn't as much of a scammer more of a victim and being uh i forgot where it's going with that anyways she was more of a victim more say it was just a hail mary 
attempt at trying to launch herself over the poverty line. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I think that's kind of what it was, because I feel like you can only put so many rabbits in your pussy. So Only, well, apparently the number is seventeen. Yeah, that's the limit. <laughs> and the prevailing narrative amongst most people studying this specific case is that she was just a scared woman who was put in a vulnerable position with men constantly sticking their hands up her skirt, and they just wanted a reason to like stick their hands up her skirt. Mm-hmm. And she was just impoverished and terrified, and very much a victim of the situation. And she became. A victim of what the rich might do to her if they found out it was a hoax, especially the king, because all of these people were terrified of what the the king would do, or if the church got a hold of her and decided that they wanted to burn her as a witch, because again, they were still doing this around this time. Mm-hmm. So really, her just kind of fading, getting in prison for a few months and fading off into relative obscurity is really the best case scenario for her. Yeah. So that is my story of Mary Toff to stack rabbits up for her vagina. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> I But I am going to get that lamb cake and terrorize my family. I'm going to make it red velvet. Oh, so it looks like flesh when you cut it open? Yeah. Sick. It'll be a surprise red velvet, too. Hell yeah. <laughs> Give, like, eerily realistic eyeballs. So it's just, like, staring oh, yeah. into your soul as you just chop its little booty off. So what I want to do is, like, cut out the eyes a little bit and then put lemon drops in it and put, like, little food marker irises on it. Mm-hmm. So it just looks really realistic. You'll have to send me a picture. Well, as if you would, oh, anyway. But, yeah, you'll have to send me oh, a picture yeah. and then we'll, we'll keep you guys updated. We'll maybe post it to the gram, my guys. All right. <sighs> anyways, you want to get, yeah. get on your bit? Yeah, shall we? We'll get into it. Um, and I'll do my story now. Devin's story time. What are you going to talk about? So, okay. Today, we're actually going to talk about more haunted real estate. Um, so Ashley did the Amityville Whorehouse. Was it last week or last episode or the episode before? I can't remember. Two weekend or two two episodes episodes ago because last time was, um... What's her face? Uh, the other German girl. Annalise Michelle. Ah, yes. Okay, so haunted real estate. We're talking about haunted houses again. And this time, Scary. it's a story that's kind of close to my home. Um, not close to my heart, though, because fuck Kansas. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're from Kansas and you're listening. This, just, this place just ain't it for me. But anyways... I'll talk There's shit about- a reason it's a basis for the, the Wizard of Oz, because it's literally like walking into the Twilight Zone. I was there once to visit you, and it was scary. I have never met someone that, like, enjoys living in Kansas. They all just say, I'm here, and I stayed. But there's no one that's like, I fucking love Kansas. And there's a reason for that. Um... Isn't that, isn't Kansas also the, no, maybe it was Nebraska, but the place of the one little house in the Prairie book where they had, like, the sod house and then the locusts ate their crops and they had to move because it was so miserable? Um, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. And Did you have something to contribute? She absolutely does. She just meowed at me. Aggressively. Aggress- did you hear that? 
Yeah. She said, hello. No, I heard it. Do you have... She said, mother, I crave violence. You want something? Or you just want me to hang out with you? All right. Anyways. Shit talking Kansas aside. Okay. So. (laughs) Today, I'm going to put on my realtor impersonation. We're going to be taking a look at a quaint 1,200 square foot. 1,200? Why does that feel like not a number to me? 1,200. 1,200. 1,200. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm not stupid. I got it. I got it. So we're like medium to small. Yeah. All right. I'm not an idiot. I just like said that number out loud. I was like, that's not a number, but it is a number. So anyway, back to my realtor voice. We're going to be taking a look at a quaint 1,200 square foot two-story home built in the late 1800s that features lovely retro appliances. This is a thing that realtors do. They say words like retro or quaint when they really mean um, outdated and fucking tiny. Um, (laughs) So anyways, it has retro appliances, carpet, and furnishings. This three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath historical gem is located in a wonderful school district to send your demon children to. Situated (laughs) on a charming tree-lined street, which, side note, when I was doing the notes for this story, the house that is across the street from this house is fucking massive, fucking gorgeous. And imagine that you are this big-ass, nice-ass, Victorian-ass house, and you have to look across the street and see a fucking demon house. Anyway, so, back to Realtor Devin. Situated on a charming tree-lined street just steps from the riverfront and last sold at the incredible investment price of $499,000. All demons and spirits do convey with this lovely property. Anyways, so this haunted (laughs) dream property, it's frequently called the most haunted home in America. Today, guys, we're talking about the Saley House in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, And fun fact, so this town is actually right on my route to get to and from my hometown or my in-laws. And so, like, for the longest time, if you drive through this town, there's, like, the little tourism flags affixed to, like, the light poles and stuff that say the most mysterious town in Kansas or something along that lines. And so... Every time we drove through this town, I'm like, I, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, it just looks like every other dumpy Midwestern town ever. Um, and so apparently, it's because it's got the Saley House, which is, we're going to talk about, profoundly haunted. And then apparently there's like a handful of other haunted homes here. Um, so apparently, it's the most mysterious town in Kansas because they've got a lot of hauntings. They've got a Dollar General, the Subway, the Casey's Gas Station, a Pizza Hut, and the most haunted house in America. So, although if they got a Casey's, they're already doing better than the town that you're in. So, we got a Casey's. <laughs> we got a fucking Casey's. I can get my goddamn breakfast pizza and my taco pizza. Have you tried their uh, their uh, new sauces? Their new dip mm-hmm. sauces. I haven't hit up the Casey's. It literally just opened like two weeks oh, ago. Okay. Um, but actually, now that you say that, maybe this is going to be the weekend that I go get my Casey's Pizza Fix. And for those of you from outside of the Midwest that are listening, Casey's is a gas station. But they also have, like, a small pizza counter at the gas station. And sometimes they have, like, a sub 
shop sub too. shops and they also do like chicken tendies and stuff and when i tell you this gas station makes my favorite pizza like i will take casey's pizza over any pizza any day of the week i mean it's amazing i i like other pizza better but mm. it does it's one of those things that like when you are in a rush and you live in the country and you need just like something very quick and fast mm-hmm. and you just want to grab a piece of pizza like their sausage pizza or the veggie pizza pretty good they have the breakfast pizza on the hot hot rotator every morning so but i can't do eggs so (sighs) well if you're not from the midwest and you're doing a road trip through the midwest stop at a casey's gas station a nine times out of ten it's gonna have the cleanest gas station bathroom if you have to take a piss highly recommend casey's bathrooms for bathroom stops and potty breaks um but also for pizza Anyways. Well, and generally, they also have, like, the individual bathrooms that, like, if you need mm-hmm. to take a poop, like, yeah, you can it's just a single seater. there. Single yeah. seater. You don't have to worry about any, like, truckers coming in while you're just trying to take mm-hmm. a shit on your road trip, so. Okay. Anyways, back yeah, to the Yeah, anyways. House. So, okay, the Saley House um, probably also has a lovely bathroom to shit in if you're on a road trip through Kansas, but it's been the... But it's sun- retro. Yeah, yeah. It's retro outfitted, but it's probably clean and it's definitely a single seater. Um, but it has allegedly been the site of almost every form of paranormal activity that you can think of. And it's gained like loads of media coverage over the last 20 years. So the first show that I think it was on, we'll kind of talk about in our story here. It's called Sightings. And that's like in the mid to late 90s was kind of like a big, big ghost show. But it's also been on more recent ones like. A Haunting, Most Haunted Town, Unexplained Mysteries, one called My Ghost Story. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. But shout out to Zach Baggins, the man that I love to hate, but for some reason cannot get a fuck enough of, Ghost Adventures. So, it's a famous place, you guys. Believe me when I tell you. Uh, So, unfortunately, it's not been fun and games for, like, friendly Casper moments. So the activity has been so severe at times that some people believe that the hauntings might actually be demonic in nature or speculate that the Sally house, is it Sally? It's Sally house. I think it can be either. Is it Sally named after the little girl? Yeah, it's named after a girl. So I'm going to say Sally house. Yeah. So I think, I think that's how Buzzfeed Unsolved pronounced it. And I think they went there twice. Well, I believe them. So, Sally House. Uh, People speculate that it could be home to a supernatural portal (laughs) where spirits can enter as they please. Get Ferdy for your emotional support, dear. Yeah, I'm going to have my emotional support dear here. (laughs) Hold on. I'm going to take off his scars real quick. But a handsome man. I'm ready. Okay. So, people have reported seeing full-bodied apparitions mysteriously burning candles with traces of burnt little fingerprints on them. Um, They've seen objects moving in thin air, while others have heard disembodied voices of women, men, and children at night, as well as scratching on the walls and the sound of furniture being moved around. And there have even been reports of physical attacks and possessions of this property. So, all of that being said, spoiler alert, it's very haunted. Um, It wasn't actually until the 1990s when a young couple named Tony and Debbie Pickman moved in that news of this ghostly activity kind of starts to be talked about. And from what we can tell, 
it's about this time that shit really starts to get nuts in the home. So, like, either the families that lived here prior didn't think much of it and just, like, never talked about it. Or the spirits in the home just, like, did not vibe with the Pikmins and were just like, now we riot. So. Okay, wait. But, like, my family is that family where they're like, we're just going to ignore the ghosts. Mm-hmm. We're just going to ignore them. It's just the poltergeist. No big deal. Yeah. There's just shit full, flying down the stairs. No big deal. Well, and, like, it was a rental property. So, I'm wondering, I mean, if people are in and out of there every six months to a year, I could see them right. just being like, I'm going to ignore the weird shit that's happening. Because I'm only here for yeah, like, like a I'm only gonna months. live here until yeah. I get my new better apartment. Yeah, or house. I just won't resign my lease. <laughs> Move so the fuck out of Kansas. <laughs> Move the fuck out of here. Fuck Kansas. Anyway, so Tony and Debbie they move into this house in December of 1992, and so at this time Debbie she is actually prego with their first child, and so of course they're hopeful that this is gonna be a nice little home to start their family. It was, like, the perfect size for them with, like, a room they could turn into the nice nursery for the baby. And so these two, they spent, like, all of their money getting moved in on their deposit, on their rent, and then furnishing it. They're just, like, live, laugh, loving their lives at this time. Um, However, they do have a dog named Sasha. And it is allegedly the gentlest dog that Tony has ever seen. That's what he said. And Sasha had a really hard time being in one specific room of this house, and that room was the nursery. And so she would often stand in the doorway and just growl into the nursery. And Tony kind of just, like, dismissed it at first, thinking that, like, maybe a previous owner had pets and that they had, like, had little accidents in there, and so it just smelled like other dogs. Um, But, well, as we'll find out later, there's a far more nefarious activity afoot. Um... So, looking back at their time in the house, the Pikmins started to recall some things happening in these early months at the home that initially they had kind of written off as nothing. And, like, to be fair, some of the things that they remember, you know, being abnormal after the main haunting, if you had just moved into a really old home, you'd just be like... It's just the old home being an old home. So, like, for context, um, things like lights dimming, oddly uh, cold spots, both of which, again, can be explained like, the age of the home, just faulty wiring and, like, draftiness. But they also remember toys moving on their own and, of course, their animals acting strangely. So, all of these, like, little things are happening before the baby is born, um, but it's not until their baby, Taylor, is born that things start to really get weird. Um, So baby Taylor uh, often had kind of a hard time sleeping because he's in that nursery. And we know that the nursery is not good news because the dog doesn't like it. Um, And so one night, Debbie is sitting up with him on the couch and the lights in the room start flickering and then they just like dim entirely. And so Debbie's like, this is weird. And it's not electrical because no other device in the room that used electricity was being affected except for the light that was like next to the couch. So then another time, Tony noticed something kind of odd as he was going downstairs. There was a photo of the family that was hanging completely straight, but upside down as if someone had taken it up off the wall and just like, bloop, just flipped it over. Um, so he straightened it out and just dismissed it as a gesture that he had done something to piss his wife off. And so she was just petty and was just doing things to 
mess with him, basically. Um, and so then Deborah, when she was going up the stairs, frequently she would feel a cold breeze pass her as if there was a child running past her up and down the stairs. So in this story, really, I feel like the ghosts just kind of tend to leave Debbie out of it. <laughs> they just like, don't fuck with Tony. So there's one instance where Tony wanted to surprise Debbie one day by like cleaning the entire house while she was at work. And so while he's using the vacuum, it would like shut off every time he got near the door to the nursery. And while he was trying to figure out what in Sam Heck was going on, he discovered that each time it happened, the cord was being unplugged from the wall. But it wasn't from his motion because there was still plenty of slack in the cord. So it wasn't as if he had like run to the end of the cord and just like yanked it out of the wall. And then he would hear music coming from the nursery, which is what nightmares are freaking made of. So just like creepy music box type music. Um, yeah, so no thanks. Hate that. And he would go to investigate and then find the baby's mobile. Mobile? Mobile? I don't know. I'm having mobile. mobile. It was like spinning over the crib. So creepy music and then the mobile was moving. And then he sat there one day and he watched this mobile mer like spinning and as he watched it it just starts going faster and faster and faster and so like at this point tony poops his pants and then he says no more babies sleeping in the haunted crib so taylor's <laughs> out of there but this isn't even the weirdest thing that happens pre-ghost intervention in this house um so this is like the one that most people talk about the like main thing that got them to be like guys this is fucking weird so debbie she has a sister named Karen. And at one point, while the family, they were out, like, doing bonding activities or whatever, Karen's like, hey, guys, like, I know you're not at your house right now, but I have this high chair for you that I'm going to swing by your place, and then I'll put it in the nursery for you because I'm a thoughtful lady, and then I'll meet you at the restaurant, the whatever, the wherever we're at. So she's going to go to their house while they are not home, drop this high chair off, and then go meet them where they are. So... When the Pickmans and Karen get back to the house later that night, Tony takes the baby's bag upstairs and then he walks past the nursery and notices that all the baby's teddy bears were arranged in a circle on the floor holding hands like they're having some sort of like cursed plushy coven that's performing ritual sacrifice or something. Just freaking terrifying. And so Tony, again, thinks that Deborah had done it. Like first she's fucking with the picture frames and now she's like setting up some weird freaking teddy bear cult um and you know not surprisingly she's like dude that wasn't me like i i don't know what the heck is happening here and karen's like it, everything was normal when i was here earlier like i didn't do this and they all just like believe each other of course they're all denying it so they're like this is really fucking weird um but we're gonna pretend it's not happening so they turn off the lights in the nursery and go back downstairs and so later, Karen, the sister, notices that the light has turned itself back on in the nursery. And so they send Tony upstairs to investigate. And there was only one teddy bear sitting left on the floor, exactly where the others had been, like in the center of where that circle had been. And so there's clearly something supernatural going on here because all three of the people that were in the home were sitting in the living room when this stuff happened. So they do search the house to make sure that there's not someone in the home and they don't find anyone. So they're like, yep, this is a ghost. Um, anyways, I just, for some reason, the thought of 
a ghost playing with teddy bears is like kind of delightful to me. So as terrifying as that is, I'm like, oh, cute. Love it. I try, I'm not very good at doing an Alexis Rose impression and it makes me very sad. Oh, I love it. David. Oh, uh, David. Ew, David. That wasn't too bad. Anyways, so back to the haunting. Debbie's initial reaction to this incident is that she's fucking stoked. <laughs> so fun fact about her is that she had like always wanted to see a ghost. And now she's living in a fucking bona fide haunted house. And up until this point, the haunting has been like pretty chill. So they're not immediately freaked out or anything. So nothing particularly menacing is happening. There's just teddy bears being played with. So fucking great. Like Casper, the friendly ghost kind of moment. Um, and she is like all in favor of this ghost roommate. Uh, but her husband, Tony, uh, a wet blanket, he grew up a devout Catholic and was like, no, ghosts aren't real. And if they are, I don't want anything to fucking do with them. So he convinces them that they're going to vacate the premise for the night and stay with Tony's parents because he was freaked out. He's like, either we have ghosts and I don't want anything to fucking do with it or someone's in the house and I don't want anything to fucking do with that either. So they load the baby up into the car but as they're doing that, Tony feels a sharp pain on his back. And upon inspection, they see that he has three scratches that are about five inches long on his back. Um, so after this whole debacle, the Pickmans, they actually are put in touch with a psychic medium named Barbara Connor. And so Tony, again, he didn't really like the idea. He was like super Catholic. Um, but Debbie's like, come on, it'll be fun. Like, we'll get the psychic in here and we'll just, you know, see what the ghosties are all about. So they invite Barbara over to see what she had to say. Well, I should note that Barbara was in California. So they initially, this was like initial, they set up a phone call and then she was intrigued. So then she did like a secondary visit with them where she flew out to Kansas. But that's all not that important. Anyways, so Barbara says that she sensed that the spirit causing all of the mischief in the home was actually a little girl, and that little girl's name is Sally, which is where we get the name Sally House from. But um, the thing about Sally is that grown men make her feel uneasy. So, which is maybe why Tony, the vibes that he was getting from the haunting were different than like the fun little like yeah, yeah, ghost roommate. Ooh, yeah, let's play with our teddy bears. Kind of haunting that Debbie was, you know, getting the vibes from. So when Barbara walks into this nursery upon like her little walk about the house, she says it becomes hard for her to breathe and said that one corner of the nursery was Sally's and that that's where she was the most comfortable. So Barbara also suggested giving her part of the room and like buying her some things that a little girl would like to play with or like to call her own, which like very cute. Um, she also said that the scratches that were left on Tony's back likely weren't malicious, but Sally actually enjoyed the family's company and especially liked the baby and Debbie. And she felt that Sally was just trying to get the family not to leave. Like she just was sad that they were leaving because she liked having them around. Barbara, I'm going to need to see your license. Can you get licensed as a psychic comedian? I though? doubt I it. Like a... <laughs> I don't think there's any bar of entry for this. It's just whoever wants to. Um, so after this little visit, Debbie, 
she's still really into this idea and she actually kind of catches feelings for her little ghost daughter. Um, she feels like very maternal towards her. So she wants to be there for Sally and felt that she was just lonely and wanted to be part of the family. So she said that she would often feel a cold presence at her side as if Sally were nearby. And while she cared for the baby, she said she would even feel like a cold spot as if like a person was sitting next to her on the couch as if this little girl was actually trying to cuddle with her and the baby while they were, like, trying to care for the baby. Mm, uh-uh, <laughs> thank you. I hate it. Yep. So, Debbie, though, she even took the medium's advice to heart, and so she decides to buy Sally a doll. And so she mm. buys her a doll, wraps it up in a nice little gift wrap, and puts it in Sally's corner of the nursery. And so she would, like, check back periodically to see if the gift was open, and eventually one day... She finds that the doll is in the baby's crib, but the weirder part is the box that the doll had come in was still neatly wrapped in the gift wrap. So somehow... Okay, side note, I think there's something going on behind you because it looks like shit's yeah. just moving on its own, but I think It's not a ghost, noodles. it's a cat trying to burrow herself underneath <laughs> of the blankets. <laughs> there's just stuff moving in the yeah. background and you can't <laughs> tell what it is. She's like, you can see there she is. There we go. But she likes to burrow under the Speaking of haunting. Yeah, speaking of haunted houses. (laughs) In Kansas. (laughs) She's really going for it, man. She's going to knock that pillow right off the bed. (laughs) She's going to fuck your pillow. Go off, queen. Fuck your pillow, bitch. Go off, queen. Go off. Anyways, so. Sally. The box. The box. The gift wrap. She has somehow materialized... (laughs) She's just, like, going crazy back there. What are you doing? She just... I, I'm sorry. It's cracking me up. She's, like, a, a little ham. I swear to God. She has to be the center of attention at all times. But she hates people. But she hates people. All right. So, there's a clearly sorry. a demonic haunting happening behind me, but... So, the doll's in the crib. The gift-wrapped box is still gift-wrapped. So, she has materialized this doll out of the box and into the crib, which is fucking weird. But Debbie had also left a pad of paper and a crayon in the nursery with a question written about her age. So, Debbie had written, how old are you, in crayon on this paper. And when she discovered the unwrapped doll, she also saw that her question had been answered. And in crayon on the paper was written the number seven. So, they have a little seven-year-old ghost girl. That's not, that's not a girl. (laughs) And so, like, we're not going to forget about Tony in this because he's having his own experiences with his new ghost daughter, um, but they are not having a daddy-daughter bonding moment. Um, He's not into it. So, at this time in their life, Tony is working third shift, so he would get home at seven in the morning. And so, one morning, he was getting a drink after coming home when he saw something that he thought was Sally. So he freaked out. He dropped the glass that had been in his hand and that freaked out the spirit that he saw and then it disappeared. So he saw like a full body apparition of what appeared to be a seven-year-old girl. So Okay, side note. The the dad working third shift to daughter being completely haunted pipeline is real because my, <laughs> my dad worked third shift when I was a kid and I feel like that's the most haunted I've ever been in mm. my life is like... Because the dad's not there when you're sleeping, yeah. so you don't... I had, like, really terrible insomnia, 
Because of the ghosts? It, it's a thing. Yeah. So third shift equals haunted daughter. So Haunted children. Haunted yeah. children. Yeah. Keep that in mind, you guys. So dads, if you have an option to work third shift, don't because your children are going to be haunted. Unless you're into that, in which case... Well, then you end up with children like me. Well, I mean, just remember, though, that as we discussed earlier, to be a psychic medium, there is no bar for entry. So you can set them up for real success in their future if you just choose to not be present in their lives by being third shift. Get them well, haunted just not as present, fuck. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. During waking hours. They're, yeah. You're present kind mm-hmm. of during, because well, they also sleep during waking, like during dinner time. Yeah. You're building job skills for them by not being there. <sighs> I don't like that. No. That's- <laughs> anyway, so... This is, this is hitting home. After Tony sees little Sally, he, like, runs to wake up Debbie. He's like, you'll never guess what I just fucking saw. And Deborah is fucking jealous. She's like, I can't believe that you've seen my ghost daughter and I bought her toys and she is not showing herself to me. Um... But another fun fact about the Pikmins is that Tony was actually a pretty decent artist. And so he drew Sally. And then she's actually, like, pretty cute little girl. And Mm -mm. Tony, though, he's a skeptic here, which is good for him. Usually it's the woman in these scenarios that I'm like, she's got the brains. But I, I feel like Debbie's blinded right now. And Tony's the one with the common sense. He's like, there is something more to this haunting than a cute little girl. Um... He thinks that there's a much darker presence in the home. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, as we mentioned, he kind of is getting the brunt of this haunting. So, he starts to feel this, like, darker presence more and more frequently in the home. And so, he was hearing voices that he described as sounding demonic. And at first, there was, like, relatively faint-sounding voices. But over time, they get more and more loud for him. And he's also seeing these apparitions that are much bigger in stature than Sally would have been. Um, he also noticed that their pet cats were always uneasy and staring at objects in the home that just, like, weren't there, just off into the distance. And he also had an instance where a stuffed bear that he was staring at just moved entirely on its own. And, like, if that doesn't make your asshole pucker, I don't know what does. Imagine. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. So, one night, Tony, he starts to hear a scratching sound behind the bed And he describes it as sounding like an animal digging to get out of the wall, which if you've ever lived in a farmhouse or an old house and have heard rats or mice in the walls, which I have definitely experienced, that's kind of... Or birds. Yeah, it's just something in the wall scratching. That's what he's hearing. Um, Well, because a lot of old houses are... um, the, The insides of the walls aren't insulated, but the air inside the walls is trapped so that it acts as an insulation. Mm -hmm. Um, so animals can get in there because there's not any insulation to block them. Yeah. But, like, often when people redo farmhouses, they'll go in and do, like, the spray mm-hmm. insulation just because it's easier. But, yep. um, because that's what my parents' house is, is it's, like, just the block insulation or the air. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my parents' house, well, I guess I shouldn't say that for certain. I know they've redone most of their downstairs, so I don't know what it's looking like nowadays, but all I know is that... yeah. There's, like, a very particular sound. Or, like, I remember when we were younger, too. And I should preface this by saying my mom's house is freaking spotless. But if you live on a farm, in a farmhouse, especially around greenfields, there's mice. It's just, that's why you have cats. But Mm -hmm. the sound of, like, 
sitting on the first floor of the house and you could hear like in the space between the floors like a mouse like running back and forth you're like well shit that's what we what the cats are here for and they're just sitting on the couch like fucking turds um well especially in the winter when there's mm -hmm. no fields because they just they go into the houses it's yeah it's unavoidable yep it just happens um anyways that's not relevant at all. <laughs> Tony was hearing well, was the sounds that sounded like... Yeah, he's sound, hearing sounds in the wall that sound like little creatures digging. Um, and so, again, he's lying in bed when he hears us. And so he sits up and he turns around and he sees a spirit. So he describes it as an adult woman with dark hair. She's wearing a Victorian dress. And she reached out for him and grabbed onto his wrist and so, when he wakes up in the morning, he had three marks, like, burnt into his arm where the spirit had grabbed him. So, no, thank you. No, thank you. So, Tony's mother, keep in mind, Tony's family is very Catholic. Um, she also knew about what was going on in the home and kind of, like, was like, oh, you guys, no, fuck, that's dumb. But one day, finally, she's visiting... And something literally throws an oil lamp at her, <laughs> just missing her head. So now she's convinced. And then Tony's like, there is no way. There, there's just no way. It's just the ghost of a little girl. Like, maybe Sally is there and she's just a cute little ghost, but there's definitely something else there, too. And so after this, like, more violent outburst where mother-in-law's head is almost taken off by an oil lamp, Debbie, Debbie she is like, okay... Maybe you're not being dramatic. So I think prior to this, her maternal instincts had just been kicking in and she felt bad for Sally that she was just like a little girl and she just wanted a family. But Tony, I think he was seeing things a little more clearly. So he wasn't so quick to write off odd things in the house as innocent little fun and games. And so after these more violent instances, Debbie finally concedes and agrees that they do need help to figure out what the heck's going on here. So... What do they do? They reach out to their trusty psychic, Barbara. And she had actually, again, remember, she's from California. So she had been talking to the producer of a show called Sightings, who were really interested in Tony and Debbie's story based off of all the details that Barbara had given them. So it's just occurring to me in this moment that maybe Barbara, upon meeting with the Pikmins in their home that first time, was like, I'm not going to tell them the full truth here, so they're going to stay in the house and we can make this into a TV show, baby. I don't know. But anyways, Barbara puts... Or the whole thing's a hoax. Like. Yeah. Or the whole thing's a hoax. <laughs> it's very possible. Um, but whether or not it's a hoax, she puts the Pikmins in touch with the crew from the sighting show. And so despite being initially hesitant about the idea, they do agree to let the TV crew come to document their haunting and hopefully someone on the crew or they would do something to help them get rid of the darker spirits in the home. So the producer of this show, his name is Craig, he brings the team out to Kansas to investigate and they like do the whole ghost show thing where they go around the house. They're like filming, asking questions, etc. Blah blah blah. And so eventually they get around to where they're doing like the one-on-one -on -one interviews with Tony and Deborah, and they're interviewing Deborah in the kitchen. And so behind her, in the background, there's a single rose that's sitting on a kitchen windowsill, 
And as the interview was going on, the rose starts to burn and wilt and looked as if someone had taken a blowtorch to the tips of, of the petals. And so the production team is like really freaked out because when they roll back the tape, they discover that like one second it's fine. And then literally the next frame, it's just like fried, burnt. And like they can't explain it at all. So of course they interview Tony too. But he didn't want to know, be known as the crazy guy. So he actually, they interview him in like silhouette form, which is funny to me because like, bruh, your wife is there on TV. Like everyone's going to know it too. Anyways. Well, that's like a small town in Kansas. Like, yeah, everyone's going to know what family that is. But anyways, so he is interviewed in silhouette. That's not important, but I'm saying it anyways. But Craig the producer, as he's interviewing him, is holding a thermal imager. And so he felt something on his hand and he described it as like an intense cold sensation that runs up his arm into his chest. Um, And then it immediately leaves him and then Tony feels that sensation like zipped from Craig to Tony, basically. And so Tony described the quote-unquote attack as a frozen arm going like right through his chest and like right before the film crew's eyes like they see this materialize on tony's body out of nowhere there's like huge claw marks and so immediately the producer's like no mm -mm, we're not doing this anymore because like he's seeing that it's like a physical danger to not only his crew but the people living in the house and so now he's even convinced at this point he's like there's no way that this is just a little girl ghost like there's something more nefarious going on here so this sightings crew, they do, like, nothing to help. Basically, they get their interviews in. They pack out. They're like, we're fucking out of here. This is too much for us. And so after they leave the house, the situation kind of intensifies for the Pikmins. Um, and they, like I said, had hoped that the crew could help them, but it really just served to stir the pot, basically. So prior to the show, Debbie didn't really have any idea of just how bad the physical implications of it were for Tony, but seeing, like, the actual scratches appear on his body, she's like, oh, shit. Um, And actually, it gets really bad. So one day after the crew leaves, things get so bad for Tony that, like, one morning, again, he's third shift, so he's alone in the house, and a stray cat gets into the kitchen. And so Tony finds his cat drinking milk out of a cereal bowl, his cereal bowl, that's his freaking Cheerios, And so something about this was just so infuriating to him and those voices that he had been hearing just like gets in his head and are like, you better fucking do something about it. You got to do something about it. So he grabs a butcher knife and he stabs a stray cat to death right in the kitchen. And so, yeah, in interviews, Tony's actually really open about this experience and he says he doesn't exactly remember the actual killing of the cat in his kitchen. He says it kind of like was as if he blacked out. And then when he came to, he saw the dead cat lying there, kind of like snapped back to his senses. But when he finally came out of this like weird, violent haze, he like cleans up the kitchen in a panic because obviously he doesn't want Debbie to come home and see what he's done. And it freaks him out too, because he's like, this time it was a cat. But what if next time it's Debbie or what if the next time I fucking stab my baby? So... At this point, Tony's like, we have to leave this house. And so just two days after that incident, he um, has another incident 
where he's walking out of their bedroom and something pushes him into the staircase so hard that he breaks three of the railings. So he's like, I'm, I just went over the fucking banister down the stairs, whatever is in his house. It's not cute and harmless. It's like trying to fucking kill me. <laughs> so two weeks Didn't later. did something punt their dog too? Like punt it across the room? Um, I didn't come across that, but there's, like, so many different stories from this that I would not be surprised yeah. if that's the case. Um, I just remember that because on BuzzFeed Unsolved, um, Shane Madej was, like, mm-hmm. laughing at the lady's dog getting, at, uh, Sasha getting punted across the room, and the lady's like, I'm gonna punch you in the face if you laugh at that. That's not funny. Yeah. Leave Sasha alone. <laughs> but the way she delivered it was kind of funny, mm-hmm. and then he just kind of chuckled, and she was like, I'm gonna punch you in the face, and he was like, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. It's like these disrespectful Anyways. Hollywood fellas coming to my Kansas home and disrespecting me. <laughs> but then it's like, it's one of those things where you're told not to laugh, so you want to laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, at a funeral, you're just, like, chuckling. Like, it's like, is this funny? I don't know. Is this funny? <laughs> Does Grandma's lipstick camp. really look that fucked up? <laughs> it's, it's all camp, baby. It's all camp, baby. <laughs> Anyways, after Tony falls down the fucking stairs... Uh, two weeks after that incident, they are like, nope, we're out. So they move out of the house. Um, the family, though, they still actually live in Atchison, less than a mile from the Sally house. And so they've said that they sometimes feel like something followed them since then. Um, and they still have dreams about the home or experience weird phenomena in the new houses since they've lived there. And so this seems to have affected Tony the most, though, and he said that he's even woken up in the middle of the night standing in front of the Sally house as if he sleepwalked there. So he said that basically since they lived in that house, there's always been something calling him back there. At this point, uh, the house, since they moved out, has been unoccupied by permanent residents. Um And now it's exclusively used just as a spot to offer ghost tours and overnight stays for people that want to experience a haunting. And there's, like, loads of EVPs and photos of what appear to be apparitions taken there um, by, quote-unquote, ghost hunters and paranormal experts, whatever the fuck that means. So there's also, I mean, people say that there's as many as 17 different spirits occupying the home, but, like, you... Who knows? Who knows? Like we said, there's even people that think it's a fucking portal to another demon dimension. So there could be any any mess of things going on there. But the true story, well, the not, we don't know if it's a true story, but the local legend as to why this is haunted, um, we actually do have a story for that. It's not well documented, but there is a story behind it. So the legend goes that the second owner of the home So it would have been the son of the man who built the home originally. He was a doctor. And so he and his wife lived in the upstairs of the house, and he would run his practice out of the downstairs. So one night in the middle of the night, the doctor and his wife are sleeping, obviously, and he wakes up to banging on the front door. Um, And so he goes, hey, wifey, stay in bed. And so he goes downstairs to find a woman And she's standing at the door with her daughter, just like limp in her arms, basically. And the woman, she's like frantic. Her daughter is like writhing in pain. Clearly something is wrong, but allegedly, and this is where the story gets spicy, the woman was a former servant of the doctor. And again, allegedly, this was his illegitimate daughter. So 
that explains why the woman brought the girl to him and not to a hospital. So the doctor brings him inside, takes the girl into the examination room and instructs the mother to wait outside in the waiting area. And so he's examining the girl and he can see that she's likely suffering from appendicitis. And then it looks as if the appendix has already burst, leaving him with no time basically to get to the hospital. So instead, despite him not being a surgeon, he's a GP, he decides he's going to operate. So he does give the girl some sedatives. However, they didn't have time to wait for it to kick in. And so he starts to operate. So he's cutting an incision over the appendix while this little girl is like screaming and trying to fight him off. Um, The doctor is trying to hold her down and also operate and hold this girl still at the same time and locate her appendix. And he's basically just like rifling through her insides looking for it. Um, I should also mention, again, he's not a surgeon. He's just a general practitioner. Um, And so while he's working on the girl, she basically bleeds out before the doctor can locate the appendix to remove it. And she dies on the table. Um, Eventually, he leaves the operating room. There's blood fucking everywhere. And the mother is told that the daughter's appendix had already burst and there wasn't anything he could have done. Um, So there's a couple theories here. First theory and the most obvious is that this little girl's name was Sally and that the doctor really did try to save the girl um, but either her appendix had burst or he just really botched the surgery. The other theory is that upon seeing that he had an illegitimate child he basically allowed her to die on purpose in order to protect the family name. Um, So one thing to note is that all of the research done by like many many different TV shows. As we discussed, there's a lot of them that were filmed here. Nobody's been able to find records of a young girl named Sally that died in the town that year or even existed in the town that year. Um, But to lend just like a little bit of credit to the legend, record keeping back then just like wasn't great. And if this woman had been of the servant class and her daughter had been illegitimate, it wouldn't shock me if record of her birth and death wouldn't have been kept really closely based on, again, the mom's social status and her being born out of wedlock. Um, There was one promising thing that a film crew did find, and there was a headstone in the local graveyard from approximately the right time period with the name Sally on it. Um, But it's far more likely looking at the size of the grave that it was for a full-grown woman. So really, that's like the only story we have as to why this house could be haunted. Um, again, there's allegedly 17 spirits there, at least. It's been called a portal to the other side. It could just be one small pissed-off ghost baby. We don't know. But, um, yeah, if you ever decide to go visit for yourself, apparently it's a really active haunting, so you might just see something. But I don't recommend coming to Kansas because it's not very fun. The other thing with, like, ghost children is, like, Generally, children don't become ghosts because children don't have enough, like, life experience to be ghosts. Like, usually they just, they yeah. just move on. Um, Typically, so if, if you, you see a, a ghost child, isn't it more likely that it's, it's, like, an older spirit or, like, a dark, like... A demon. Demon trying like, to, like, yeah. gain your trust, basically. 
Yeah, like a non-human spirit mm-hmm. that is trying to disarm you. Yep. It's like how cats evolved to look more baby-like so that humans would... Because you're would... so cute. Yeah. Well, that's the reason is because humans have that effect where they're like, oh yeah, that's a cute baby thing, so I want to keep it alive. You know, I want to nurture it rather than I want to kill it, mm-hmm. so... I want to feed it kibbles and give it tweets. Yeah. But this is one of those things where it might have just originally been, like, a little bit of a haunting, and then, like, they manifested this Mm -hmm. demon child because, you know, they wanted... That's what they wanted it to be. Well, and that's another springboarding off of that manifesting thing. If you have a different set of people in there, basically every night, doing, like, some sort of paranormal investigation, like, not knowing what they're doing, just, like, inviting stuff in, you don't know what stayed behind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think you can get rid of it, too. Yeah. But. But if you get rid of it, then there goes your tourism money. Right. You can't base your whole economy it. after the Casey's. Or the Dollar General. You gotta have a haunting. <laughs> you gotta have something unique. Yeah. In this Old case, jazzy. a ghost. Anyway, that's... Demon children aside. Yeah. Demon children and rebussies aside. (laughs) Rebussy. I I told you you're going to hate it. I... I hated... It was disgusting, but in a great way. That I appreciate thoroughly. Thank you. Well, I believe that now it's tarot time. Give us the future, oh wise one. Tell me if I am indeed going to have a cute shit moment coming up because I'm a Libra. Yeah, the girl you're talking about, is she like the baddie that like tells the tarot or tells the astrology stuff on her balcony? Yep. And like her, yeah, I know Mm -hmm. exactly what you're talking about. She's like, Libras, you've been overlooked for a while. Now's your time. Yep, exactly. She told me I'm going to have cute shit happen, and I hope I really do have some cute shit happen. Okay, so for our tarot time, a lot of big cards here. We got the tower reverse, so this is your tower moment. You've had it. Um, how do we pick up the pieces from here? Um, judgment. Let's just say that whatever caused the tower moment, it's going to get what's coming to it. Um, some bad, some bad controlling bad daddy energy, maybe an Aries that might've been the person behind that. They're going to get their judgment moment. Um, and basically it's not as over as you think it is. Um, it could be a time for forgiving or restoration, but, um, I'm just going to like pull one more card. Which is not particularly good news for some people, you know? Um. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's like it's progressively what? getting worse. Like every time something comes out, you just look at it like, ah, fuck. <laughs> it's true. Okay, give me. Give me some good news. 
So we've got the Two of Swords upright. That is like, this is like a, you're either in like a stalemate, like you could go either way or you can compromise. Like things aren't going to, stuff is going to come back and it's not going to be as good as you think. But it's not going to be bad. It's just going to be very neutral. Like it's going to be what it is. God damn it. That was aggressive. Hold on. Okay, so I keep getting this one that falls out in a big clump. And usually with a big clump of cards, I just flip it over and put it back in the deck. But this one keeps popping up on the top. So it's the well card. The well is like, you can see like the vapors coming out of the well. This one's unique to this deck, actually. Not every deck has a well card. Um, and that is just like, it's, it's, tra it's trapped. Like, it's not, yeah. It's like stagnant, um, like it's Timmy stuck in a well. Um, so again, like we're getting a lot of stagnancy, a lot of like compromise. It's just gonna, it is what it is. There's nothing good or bad. Um, it's not like the most ideal situation, but it's not the worst situation that it could be. Like it's already gotten as bad as it could be. It's not gonna get any worse. Um, we have like a happy resolution. Okay, well, it at some point things will get better. We <laughs> got six of wands up, right? You better just stop there. At some, <laughs> at some point, you'll um, be victorious in your um, in your plight. But like everything else is very much like you're in a holding pattern. You're gonna be in a holding pattern. You're gonna get news that's gonna be you're in a holding pattern. People from the past are gonna come up. You're not maybe not gonna like it, but it's gonna be a holding pa pattern. I think it'll be fine, just not immediately. Like, it'll be in a holding pattern for a while is basically the, the sum up. Let me just do real quick. So your oracle card is be the reason that someone smiles today. So even though stuff is, you know, maybe a little stagnant, is a little stressy, depressy, messy, um, at least you don't have rabbits in your rebussy, so. Facts. Not that's, a single of the 17 rabbits in your Robosy. Not not including rabbit parts. So, were they just like 17 rabbits worth of rabbit parts or 17 full rabbits? Um, 17 whole rabbits in addition to others. Over the course of just two months? Um, well, it was, yeah, September to November. November to December. So, yeah, under two months. She was popping out. And she had just had a miscarriage in... She had started having a miscarriage in August, and then, remember, September, the end of September is when she was um, still flexible in her cervix enough to pop um, cat arms Damn. out of it. That is something I'm never going to forget. That is something I'm never going to forget. And on that note... Um, I'm happy gonna, fucking Easter. Yeah, happy fucking Easter. Um, my FU is... I don't know, man. My F, yeah, is that the Taco John's that burnt down in my local area is opening up again next week so I can get some potato olays. <laughs> I, I really don't have an F, you right now because I feel like if I dwell on the F, U's too much, I'm going to have a full-on menti B, and I don't want to do that today. So I'm just going to focus on the potato olays and hopefully get through the weekend. Um... 
I would say my fuck you is, uh, I had a good one and then I forgot it. But, like, maybe, maybe the Academy for being such a dick to Will Smith mm. after he bitch slapped Kevin Hart for making fun of Will, of Jada because it's, like, he kind of deserved it. Like, wouldn't you want a bitch slap? I'm, like, eh. I'm not sure where I fall on the spectrum of the Will, Will Smith, Chris Rock drama. Honestly, you know where I fall is I just don't give a fuck. Rich <laughs> people just be out here doing whatever the fuck they want. And True, it's but like I a also, simulation. It's so absurd. All of it. I also want to get back to the days where you can just casually slap people and it's not mm. considered battery. Like, you know, back in the days when you could just, like, hit people with a glove and be like, I challenge you to a duel. Like, in The Simpsons. Mm. And people were just, like, vibing with it. Like, what's a, what's a casual slap amongst friends? <laughs> that didn't look like an amongst friends slap, if you ask me. That looked like a you insulted my wife slap. Well, sometimes you just gotta hit people Mm. because, not hurt them, but just give them a good slap. Like, did he look like he got hurt? Maybe his feelings, but... His pride, his feelings, but his physicality, fine. Yeah, no. Honestly, he's never been more relevant, so you're welcome. Um, also, back to fuck yous, fuck yos, um... I want to say fuck you out of McDonald's because they brought back spicy nuggets. <gasps> Fucking forgot about that. I'll add that to my list with the potato olays go and my spicy nuggets. You got to hit and get some uh, nacho fries. Well, they still have them at Taco Bell. Go get your spicy chicken nuggets from McDonald's and get some potato olays. Hell yeah. Who needs an Easter feast when you have a spicy nuggets? A potato olays. Just get like... Just get, like, 20 spicy nuggets, put them in the fridge, and then put them, pop them in the air fryer for Easter. Okay, honestly, not a bad idea. I feel like they'd air fry Oh, fine. yeah, like, they, they do, actually. I have done. <laughs> not the spicy ones, the regular ones, but they reheat in the air fryer. Quite nice. Anyway, guys, it's, I'm, I feel like the only other thing that we can add to this conversation right now is talking about fast food and that is going to turn into a whole thing so i'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here <laughs> thank you for listening to this very disturbing and disgusting easter special um please take care of your ribosies and follow us on instagram tiktok if you want to we don't really post there follow us on instagram I think once we get our lives ironed out um, yeah. in the next few months, we'll be able to p- post on yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've just been really busy with everything going on, and um, I think we're both planning on moving mm-hmm. relatively soon, so. Yeah. Stressful times at Ridgemont High. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for being our buddy, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.